elegant weapon for the more civilized age. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 367. My name is Jay, J.M. Clark, Jay the Jedi, Ross, Ross, Jedi, Jay, and as always, it is so wonderful to have all of your beautiful babies back here with me in the Smoking Pod studio. This week, we continue our Source Point Press party. Um, To give a little report, Travis McIntyre and Clan are absolutely fine. Uh, not too much damage on their end, so they're getting through it. Okay, it's been a blast. Uh, Ben Goldsmith last night. What fun. It's always fun talking to Ben. Ben's one of my most favorite people in the world. Again, I hope everybody's doing well during quarantine. My guest tonight, ladies and gentlemen, one of the heaviest hitters SourcePoint Press has ever had to offer. Ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous Miss Cosmic Casey Pierce. Hey. Hey. How are you doing, darling? Good. I got a new job, as you can see. Uh, yeah. Um, was that side. was that a difficult position to attain? <laughs> uh, yeah, I had to lose my moral compass, but you know it pays. Nice. Um, what led you to that? Am I right? Yeah, absolutely, man. You got to keep things straight. You know, everybody's got to make a buck these days, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Um, how's it going, man? Oh man, it's. You know, it's weird that everything's at such a slowdown, but to me, I'm like, everything's crazy because we got uh, Nora and uh, like Nora issue one of volume two, Nora issue two of volume two coming out like almost simultaneously because there was a hold from Diamond and now they're entering right. scores. And, um, and then I started school. So there's that, like everything's happening at once. So um. Thank you yesterday for tagging me to back the comeback. Yes. I, I was I was getting to the point where I started to wonder, is nobody going to let me play? And of <laughs> course, you came through and let me play. So that was super fun and exciting. Uh, you had a great video. You were so full of joy. I guess you're very excited about uh, oh, yeah, you comic books coming back. Get them books, people. Yeah, good times. Um, the comeback is interesting. Yeah. Uh, give me your thoughts on the whole thing. Have you been worried? Have you been... Uh, just kind of riding it out just on the whole, you know, uncertainty of everything. Well, I, I knew we would be okay. Um, as a company, I'm more worried for the small business owners because right. I mean, without them, there's no us and this is what they do, man. Yeah. You know? Um, so I wasn't worried about us, us. I was more worried about them. Um, but we are, you know, treading water, just like everybody else, but we're doing a great job. Um, you know, we're a family, we stick together. So, right. Absolutely. And it's, it, it's been really cool, uh, that Travis editor in chief of source point press for anyone who doesn't know Travis McIntyre, um, he made some moves. He yeah. took some shots, he some risky shots and luckily things paid off really well to the point where a lot of the new things he's actually implemented will probably stick around long after the quarantine. And, uh, that's the great thing about source point innovation uh, taking chances, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of how the whole thing grew grinding and taking shots. Right. 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 Um, whether it's, uh, I mean, we do the direct sale, man. I mean, we wrote, we wrote the book on it, right? Quite clearly, you know? Um, so we know how to do it. And when you kick into survival mode, we go, what we know with is the direct sale. Hey, we will sell them to you. Like any way we can help you guys who've helped us so much, you know, we'll do it and we'll do the live auctions and, and we'll keep, you know, being present. Right, right. It's been amazing to see since the beginning, like right from the beginning, people were so supportive of each other. When I was watching the first source point auction, I was blown away by how many creators were bidding on stuff. Like I expected it. I wasn't surprised. Right. But, but they came out of the woodworks. It was just like cr creators supporting creators. And it was a beautiful yes. thing to see, you know, and the shops have all banded together. Um, last week, there was an event last weekend here called Be a Hero Canada, mm -hmm. where like four or five shops banded together to have an online event. So like Carlos, you know, uh, you know, uh, 
whatchamacallit, Gotham Central, of course. Yeah. Uh, great friends of Source Point and Freak Show Comics in the Falls and The Dragon in Guelph and a few others. And they basically had one of these online Comic-Cons that are happening. But it was so well done, Casey. Like, I've seen people doing a lot of these things and, they, you know... It's kind of tough last minute to get things organized and things moved around, but this event was so organized and so thought out and so like well ran. It was it was it was really cool. Like to the point where you know when enough stuff is coming at you online, it gets muddled and like you forget about things because there's just so much. This yeah. was so smoothly laid out that like I could remember. Oh, three o'clock Saturday or three o'clock Sunday afternoon is Scott Chandler's chat. I don't want to miss that. Mm-hmm. they didn't overload you with it but let you know enough just really well ran like i think people should go and check out the be a heroes canada page and uh see how they went through that and it was really cool because it was a lot of familiar friends you know it's sean daly uh source point zone sean daly did a tutorial uh jason Liu did some drawings scott chandler richard pace and then neil gaiman skyped in for a conversation with Mark Asquith, who is a very well-known producer here. here. Yeah. And he, uh, see, Neil Gaiman, actually, you should watch the video because it's a lot better to hear him explain it than me, but he pretty much got his start in Toronto, right? Like, uh, at the time that he first came out, Silver Snail in Toronto was selling more of his stuff than anyone else. And he was here a lot. His His first ever signing was in Toronto like his first ever book signing, like he's got a deep connection to the city and uh, he's good friends. And the guy who interviewed him, his name is Mark Asquith. And he was a producer on space channel, which is like our sci-fi. And uh, he used to have a show called prisoners of gravity, which was kind of like a precursor to G4. But it was, it was all about, you know, literature and sci-fi and called pop culture and everything. So he, he already knew Mark for years back in the day, right? He knows all the people in Toronto. So they were able to sit down and it was such a great conversation because it wasn't just someone weird interviewing him. It was like two old friends sitting down and having a chat. So they were just going through memory lane of all Neil Gaiman's experiences in Toronto and what Toronto means to him. And it was as a Canadian, right? You're just like, this is the best shit ever. Like, Oh yeah. And yeah. for him to be that genuine, you know, that's, that's a gift. That's awesome. Yeah, it was super cool. So it was a really, really rad event. A lot of people are saying hi here. Jason Ward is saying hi. Uh, and he's hey! Thank- yeah, he's thanking uh, SourcePoint Press for their free comic week. How was that, eh? That was a cool, cool thing to do. That was a very cool thing to do. And I'm so proud of my company for doing it. Um, yeah, that was really cool. I mean, all you had to do was pay shipping. They were literally free comics that we were just giving to people, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's all about keeping the audience engagement. And if we got to give stuff away for free to do that, you know, we love doing it. Absolutely. There's, not a, there's, there's no other single publisher in the game who is as connected with their, you know, their fans as the creators of Source Point Press. Like, it is a right. seriously deep, like, connection, you know? And that's because usually they discover a Source Point book by it being given to them by the person who made it, right? Like, that's... Right. That's mm-hmm. the grind. It's being at the right. show. Speaking, it's, speaking yeah. of genuine experiences, you know. Yeah, about yeah. Mm-hmm. Which you yourself are a pro of. You're easily on the floor, one of Source Point's top killers out there, and you've been doing it for a long, long time. Um, we've probably gone over this before, but why don't you go a quick bit over your origins? Because I don't know if a lot of people know. I think a lot of people assume you've just been Source Point for life. But there was actually a little period when I first met you where you weren't source point yet. I was, yeah, I was me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I started off as a blogger. Um, I was known as Cosmic Casey. And I would do snarky commentary on the Comic Con scene. Um, and I became known for um, being, being silly and like wearing fishnets and sneakers. And I was a personality. I became a Comic Con personality and I would interview. Um, illustrators and writers who I found very inspiring. And um, I was blogging a chapter a month of a sci-fi, I was just playing with fiction, called The Prophecy Effect. And Tony Maiello of Rocket Inc. Studios had become a fan of it, and he started following it, and he said, you know, I think you can write horror. And I said, I don't write fiction, you know, that's not what I do. And uh, he goes, well, write me something, just, just four pages, a short horse, horror story. So that became Dollface and Pieces of Madness. And the original release of Pieces of Madness was with Rocketing Studios. 
Right. And it's so funny to read book reviews because it was like the first horror story I'd ever written and it's in the mix. So people, when I read the uh, reviews, people go, I loved it. And then we got to doll face and things just kind of fell apart. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not that great. But uh, in any case, he gave me a chance and I'm so grateful for it. And so I had this book. It had, you know, five short stories, real simple, um, a low res cover and, you know, um, it was selling out of it at Comic-Cons and no pictures, nothing. And that was when Travis McIntyre had just taken over as editor-in-chief of SourcePoint. And we had known each other from Twitter. I had done a comic review for him. Wait a minute. You first met him on Twitter? Yes! Yes! Let Which me tell so you. Which is so weird because you're locals. I know. Basically, well, right? Kind of. Like, he's about two hours from me. So, but he knew Josh <laughs> Werner because I knew Josh Werner. I knew Trico Luckins. How so did I you knew know Josh? I knew him because I reviewed, because he won a contest. I reviewed his comic, Jack of Spades. No way. Yeah, it was a contest. And that's, uh, that's really how I met him. And uh, then we became friends. And I didn't know that they knew each other. So Travis had sent me, back in the day, I, gosh, I was actually known as um, Jedi Dash back then. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Because I was with a different podcast called All Things Geeks before I was Cosmic Casey. So we're going way back. Yeah. yeah. So it was my second comic review and it was a shitty prototype of Up the River. <laughs> <laughs> and he sent it to me and I still had the letter in my parents' basement because it was so sweet. Aww. And it was from Travis. And he said, Thank you so much for reviewing my comic and just, just, you know, lots of sentiment there. And, uh, I, I was so primitive at the time. Like we're talking more than six years ago. Yeah. And he, when I met him, he said, do you have a drop box? I said, I have an apartment mailbox. <laughs> so I gave this stranger my address to ship me this comic. And so fast forward. So he just takes over as editor in chief. And he comes up to me, he's like, hey, girl, because you know he says that. Yeah. Uh, he probably said something to that effect. And he was like, I need you to write me a comic, because he knew I could sell like a machine. And I was like, I don't write comics. That's not what I do. I, I remember that. Yeah, that's not what I do. I don't think panel by panel. And he's like, just pitch me something, okay? So I had the honor of knowing the late, great Gary Reed. Hmm. And I had a chance to peek at one of his Dead World scripts, because I'd never even seen a comic script. And so I'm going through these panels and how it's laid out. I'm like, so it's like a movie, right? So that's why Nora One is such a slow burn. Because to me, it's the first 10 minutes of a film. Oh, that makes perfect sense. And that's I why it looks so it. cinematic and, and feels cinematic. I um, thought you were just really using your pacing really well. I was like, I, I thought at the I was, time. I, I was. was. Like, look uh, at that's the, what I was like. Look that's at the control that she's got here. You know? Yeah, I'm giving up too much quick. That, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> that, that, you're smart. You're smart. But I never thought about it. Like now that you mention it, yeah, it, it does feel like that. Absolutely. That's why I was always given a deal on one and two. People were like, well, I'll take the first issue and try it out. I'm like, listen, uh, $6 for, for one and two because it really steps on the gas in two. Especially when two is the punch, right? Two is the issue I'm thinking of where uh, – is the twin issue, no? Yes. Yes, okay. So I'm, so I'm trying not to give too much away with that, but that's, that's what's crazy is you read the first issue and then you read the second issue and you're like, oh, oh, okay. And you kind of see what you've set up there. So absolutely, like, not that the first issue is not beautiful and wonderful unto itself, but it just, it sets you up for a bigger impact if you read the second as well as the first, right? Right. Right. Um, Because, you know, as separate stories or not, like same story, but, you know, you've got a a new arc in that one little story. But man, that was, I still remember reading that for the first time and just being like, oh my God, fuck you, Casey. (laughs) Yeah, I remember, what was it? Um, Gosh, who was it that said this? Um, uh, Ninja Starship, how come I'm like losing it here? Jimmy. Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy. I was just watching. I don't know if you're still there, Jimmy, but uh, if you're still watching, what up? 
listen, like I remember at C2E2, he read it and he's like, you made a grown man cry. <laughs> in the way I like, in saying fuck you in the way that I just watched Ricky Gervais Afterlife. You ever watch that show? No, but I want to. Oh my goodness. So I, I managed to get awesome. through the first season crying my ass off, right? I heard, it's pretty heavy, I heard, yeah. but it's good. You know, They just dropped way. the second season and I watched the whole thing. And then when it was finished, there I was on my couch in tears, literally looking at my TV going, fuck you, Ricky. Fuck you. Because he had me balling. And it's hilarious too, but yeah. The, the, that that uh, emotional engagement, you know? Yeah. She, that's why I say in all my editing too is like that's the number one thing that you have to remember and is that uh the number one question is why should we care about these characters what what makes me care about these characters and if I don't care about them when I read a script I'm like there's not enough emotional engagement here you know because you have to be emotionally right. invested in a story absolutely I'm sorry what's happening here Devin Fother says Casey is the best and Devin says, ahoy, hoy. And then Ricky Lima says, hey, no, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure what you're going on about there, Ricky. But I do miss you terribly, Ricky. And I hope I get to see you I miss soon. all you guys. But I just want to say, because um, you've, obviously, you're always growing. You're always expanding. You're always, you know, trying to follow your creative vibe where it takes you. And, you know, that led from you being podcaster, blogger, writer, you know, novellaist, comic book writer, uh, and furthermore into editing and structure. And it's been really cool because for the first few years of your career, I watched you really focused on selling your book and getting your story out there and learning to sell and engage and, you know, have all those tactics ready and set. And you pretty much mastered that situation. And then, as with true artists, you start to look for the next thing that stimulates you. And I've watched you go from kind of being really, really into the forefront part of it to really, really intensely getting into story structure, editing, and just all the logistics of writing itself. And it's been cool because not that you're, you've gone away from, you know, being public you, but I've seen it more of a, I feel like you're more personally satisfied. Yes. Like, I don't know if that's right, but I'm getting the sense that you are, you're getting a lot more personal satisfaction out of what you're doing and learning right now. Am I right? It's very rewarding because I love helping people. I love helping people from, it, comic creators to my day job I always that's just what I like to do I get a, a real kick out of it and especially in when I started the panel good luck with that which you were there for the first panel which was pretty much a, a catalyst of uh of that panel which was yeah. uh, a new landscape and yeah. you were my moderator and it was wonderful it was and um but that panel really changed the game for me because the information that I had, I realized it was a real eye opener for creatives because they were coming from a business and marketing mindset. They were coming from, you know, uh, the art world. They didn't know how to summarize their work or uh, how to pitch uh, or sell a script or even sell themselves as a brand. Like what is branding in comics? Um, branding is the whole thing. And right. It was not only that, but I'm like, I'm compiling a list of things that I wish I had known uh, going into comics that it's not what you think, um, but it is, you can make, you can make it, you can do it. And I think I am my own inspiration in saying that I did not have a literature degree, English background, nothing. And yet I am here and I'm a very successful person. Right. And if you can get out of your own way, shut the fuck up. Yeah you can do so much in this industry. You have no idea. And I want to yeah. give people that power. And I think the, um, the good luck with that panel really changed everything for me because there's so many people afterwards that would come to the table and say, I want to talk to you more about this. Mm -hmm. And um, so I knew I had something there and I'm like, now I have a new calling. Well, it's a great panel too, because you lay things out very simply and very basically and easy to understand, but you also have experiences to back up everything you're talking about. And you can give examples of what you learned and why you learned it and where you learned it from, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you're, you've done a bit of a flip. A lot of people spend a lot of years back, 
back behind the scenes and then they kind of want to get out and feel their own warmth under the spotlight occasionally, but you're in a weird way going the other way. And the more I see you just, you're, you just, I, I love how much you're loving helping and you're putting these lists together and your Instagram uh, posts where you're just, Hey, these people are ready to be hired. Yep. These people, you know? people need experience. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I think that, I don't know. Like, I guess I'm becoming like a, the wise old wizard. Like I, I always call myself grandma source point. So I'm kind of slipping into that, but Never. Um, Never. I, I think it's my, my priorities have changed and it's right. not about um, how much I'm in the spotlight. It's what right. am I doing that is really rewarding. And mm. it, the more that reflects in my own life, the joy that I get from that, I'm going to shine enough. Right. Right. It's uh, like, think about it, like the past five years, six years or whatever it's been, a lot of us have grown in this way and it's been crazy to see. I think like, like I'm 43. So five years ago, I was what, 38. And I look back on that five years ago of all of us, like kids, like we barely knew what we were doing. And, and we were just out there. You guys were pushing and I was podding and we were all so enthusiastic and we all are, but that enthusiastic the enthusiasm and the energy of it kind of gets refocused as you get more involved, especially as you learn things. Right. And right. that's when the wisdom comes in and you feel like, you know, old, old lady source point or whatever, but it's just experience. And it's been really cool to watch all of us support each other through it at the same time. Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So now we're in a weird place where things are going to change, but anybody who has you know, put their eggs in the source point basket. It is in a very good situation as far as figuring things out, you know, like you got a lot of mess with new distributors and the big companies and this and that, you know, we're used to, or I should say Travis is used to taking enough risks that that's an advantage to him in this situation. Right. Right. I think it comes from uh, being detached from money for one thing and number two is that you just see problems as temporary situations. There's really no such thing as a problem. Right. Temporary situation. And I think Travis has the knack of stepping back and going, okay, listen, money comes and goes. I know how to do this. This is all temporary. We will get this fixed. You cannot give, you cannot identify like, oh, this is a problem because then you bring energy to it. Right. And uh, not that he's like a woo energy kind of guy. I speak that. but. Uh, but he, he has the right mindset. You know, he approaches things like, listen, we can't freak out about this because if we do, it's going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it helped a lot that, cause I was, I was, I was freaked out. Obviously I was like, source point has, you know, grown on the backs of grinders and yeah. all of a sudden you're taking comic cons away from source point press. Yeah. Our bread and butter, man. On the first, yeah. On the first thought of that, you know, you feel like it's a death sentence. But then Travis, you know, makes some moves, tries some things, and we kind of shift to an online presence. And I think what's made it work is that we didn't just go online like anybody else. We took the connection with us, yep. whereas we were able to uh, bring that feeling and connection to the creators online in a way that I don't think anybody else is doing, where when you see source point auctions or videos, those are the creators making them. It's not some yep. rep from the company or some, you know, face or whatever. Right. Everybody is still as involved and in doing it themselves. You know, even though it's on the internet, I think we're still giving this, relaying this feeling of family uh, somehow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and nothing can stop that connection. I mean, it Travis, I think when this all hit, he sent me a snapshot of a bunch of variants in the warehouse of Nora. And he's like, do you have any super fans that would want this? I'm thinking to myself, what are you going to have a garage sale? No, no, no. I said, let's do a live auction. I'll come out there. You know, me and Josh will do it. And uh, we'll just see how it goes. Because I see, I'm like, C4 does it. I, I stole it from C4. Right, right. Um, they, they do pretty well. Why well, not? We've got nothing to lose. It's become a fairly common thing. Freak Show Comics, our good friends and super good friends of SourcePoint Press out in the falls. Uh, Keith and Amy, hi guys. Um, they're doing auctions like every day, all the time. 
and you know it's you, that's how you got to get on board you know you gotta you gotta roll with it so yeah it's been very very exciting to see and now things are opening up again so where do we go from here i was scared for a while that comic book shops might become even more boutique like more like vinyl shops nowadays where a bunch of them closed down and then the ones that were left would be super specialty shops. Right. 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 And, and you know, maybe we're going to get through this and I think it also depends on where, right. Like mm -hmm. things are without getting political, things are a little smoother sailing up here North of the border than a few of the areas South of the border. So I don't think it's a matter of just the industry saying, you know, will comic shops in general be okay or not? I think it depends on a lot of situations where they are, what kind of client they clientele they have, how big they are, you know, and how the area is doing. Can people buy comics, right. you know? Right. Like, this survival mode for sure. Um, you know, I, I think, I think the back, the comeback was a big deal. To get new comics in, that was a big deal. Yeah. So I took that as a sign that's that's stage one, that's phase one. We we are on our way. Right. No, it, it's gonna be okay. Yeah, and uh, I'm excited for the future too. You know, it's uh, just yeah. to show that we could get through this. Just shows that we could even get bigger and better. You know. And so I never ever want promoters or anything to go out of business. <clears throat> I would never ever want that, but. There has been an oversaturation in the market as it is of Comic-Cons too. Absolutely. So we needed the, that kind of halt <coughs> to bring back the genuine appreciation of a Comic-Con. We need people to really look forward to it again. You know, Motor City used to be a thing that people would save up all year for, you know? Now it's like <clears throat> we've blurred the lines between what is a Comic-Con and what isn't. Right, so right. Somebody who went to a church basement last week was like, well, I just went to a Comic-Con last week. That is not <laughs> a Comic-Con. Yeah, yeah. You know? So yeah. when you oversaturate the market like that, people get confused. And then, you know, uh, yeah. you get your numbers get less and less because you're spreading yourself too thin. So now I'm trying to see the advantages of this time, this silence. Because when we come back, we're going to come back hard. And you know what? Not just in the you know, business wise, but it's, I think that a lot of us, and I will include myself, even though I was about to go on a crazy con tear and this was going to be the year of cons, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd done three in February. It was, uh, I think that personally for a lot of us, we didn't realize how much we could use this break. And I will flat out say like you, me, Travis, you know, Devin, a lot of these people who do a lot of this traveling. And I was I, scared to say it. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> well, you have so much fun doing it yeah, yeah. that you don't want to quit, even when it gets tough and it right. gets it's, difficult. It's tiring, you know? it's you tiring. still want to push through because it's it, it really does. It fills your that, that that hole in your soul with that thing that you connect to. And but I gotta tell you, Casey, it's been great for me. Like you know, I, 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 well, I got those three cons in, right? I got Astronomicon in and Fan Expo Vancouver, which mm -hmm. was a huge success, our first show. And then, uh, and C2E2. So we were lucky enough, you know, to get that one in. I got three in. It was supposed to be this huge year of, you know, shows for me. And I'd taken 2019 off to get ready for 2020 and regroup and then bam, the hammer comes down. They're like, no, you're not going anywhere. And I'm like, I'm left standing there going like, Oh my God, I've saved up for this. I've, you know, I've, I've planned for this and it's gone. So what do we do now? Oh, I don't know. I guess we run. So I literally ran and started running. I lost 30 pounds. Yes. And you know, I just started I've, running. I've got I started <laughs> running and I got, so much accomplished in the past two months. I can't you even tell great. you. Thank you. My my whole life is just like, it's straight right now. But now I'm like, like I can't go to any Comic-Cons. So I think what I'm going to do is replace it with camping. All right. And, and you know, until Comic-Cons come back, I think I'm going to spend a lot of time and go, not just like something else, like find another hobby, but like go the other way, like back into the woods Oh and yeah, do, and do the You're whole discover nature. Well, I got a nine-year-old son, right? Yeah. No problem. No reason he should be spending more time in the woods, right? That's so. the that's the direction I took. I it, it reconnect, reconnect with what really matters. 
And yeah, I think like, what have you been doing? How have you like, you know, structured your quarantine? Like, cause like you were kind of freelance working anyways, like you're kind of used to this, not all the time sure. having a daily eight hour schedule. So how do you go about it? Um, you know, a lot of reading. There was a lot of reading, um, a lot of meditation, um, a lot of soul searching. I think a lot of us are doing that, you know, yeah. like what matters to me, you know, what really gives me joy and i think that's when my rebrand started where i'm like i just want to help people that's really what gives me the biggest thrill right. and so that's when um i started doing the posts these are people looking for work um i just wanted to spread i just i <laughs> it sounds so hippie but i want to spread love that's what i wanted yeah. to do and yeah. uh, i want people to be happy especially during this time so uh, i did that and then the editing thing came about from david hayes because I, before, because I've been on workman's comp since August because I had a bad MS relapse. Right, right. That injured my hand. And I was like telling David, I'm like, I'm thinking about going back to work. And he's like, how's your hand? And I'm like, eh. you know, he's like, I don't like that. So he's like, listen, you know, he's the dean of a college now. And he's like, I, it's hard for him to keep up. So he's like, you can take over Red Pen Media you can edit. I know you can, I've seen you do it and I believe in you. And so that's when I just dived in head first and I'm like, this is fun. It is so <laughs> much fun doing editing because it's for one thing, I get to read stories before they hit the streets. So I got that in. Right. And then, um, also I get to find windows op of opportunity where people sort of go, I didn't even think of that. I'm like, yeah, let's do this instead. Or I know you meant to say it like this, so let's turn it up a little and we'll say it like this. And they're like, oh my gosh. And it's fun. It's so much fun to do that. Uh -huh. um, and I have the best clients, absolutely the best, very receptive. And I've changed a lot of people's minds about what the editing process is and what an editor does. We're not stifling. We are trying to give you the best quality product. I think that was the biggest awareness raised last year. I think the thing that people most learned in the comic industry was the importance of editing, which it always has been. I've always kind of known that. I mean, you know, like a lot of it, maybe it's that I didn't notice because in Toronto, editors have always gotten a lot of respect. You know, Toronto's really good for giving a lot of respect to the odd roles that go within the comic community do you know what mm -hmm. i mean like a lot yeah. of people who've never even made a comic have a lot of respect for certain whatever things they've accomplished and uh you know it's uh it's it just seemed like a lot of people were talking about editing last year and going on yeah. about how Allison was. one of my good one of the users in toronto if you know if you're in toronto comics obviously you know Allison o'toole who you uh introduced me to uh wayward sisters and yeah. she edited the, the serious series for me yeah. um and she was a huge inspiration for me worth every penny if you can work with Allison o'toole please do. She's incredibly thorough. And some of the things that she does, I incorporate in my own practice now. Oh yeah. She taught you a lot. Yeah? She did. Every editor I've ever worked with has taught me so much. I can't even tell you. Um, so Leah Letterman, the first editor right. I'd ever worked with, she was great at pointing out habits um, that I've knocked off since, you know, uh, I think one of them was holding the reader's hand over choreography. Um, you know, because I was writing prose at the time, and I'm like, visualize this. And it's like, no, like, this is for them to perceive, you know, not for you to just hold their hands through the whole story. And then, um, gosh, I worked with her. I worked with Travis. Travis edited right. Nora. Right. Um, and he saw Windows Up Opportunity. Like, the smallest thing just changed the whole quality of the plot. I can't yeah. even tell you. And then, uh, let's see who else. I worked with Allison O'Toole incredibly thorough professional she has always has the last look at letters she will not let something go out the door unless you know especially something with her name on it unless mm -hmm. it is first class all the way <clears throat> and um with her i think i learned more about um really getting to know my characters better would they really say this this kind of just comes out of nowhere so getting in touch with your characters before you go ahead and write dialogue i think if i'm making any sense absolutely yeah um, no, for yeah. sure yeah it's so, almost like when an actor figures out their their character's backstory before they go into it 
and you just, you know, you want to kind of understand what you're going for, right? Kelly, Kelly Nemzek O'Hara says, uh, ah! David and hi guys. Um, hey, Kelly. Let's take advantage of that. Uh, yes. Yeah, get an editor, kids. Uh, Drina Joe. Uh, Allison there's yep. there's a lot of excellent editors out there uh speaking of Kelly O'Hara O'Hara <laughs> Kelly O'Hara uh she's involved in a new project why don't you tell us about it Casey oh right so Kelly is the painter and she's the painter of the Nora volume two series and her work is so I mean it's already a psychedelic piece but man, the, she just really kicks the surrealism up. So to give you an example, you know, she's very inspired by Japanese art and she's a huge Blade Runner fan. So if you thought we were sci-fi noir in the first volume, we're taking you down a rabbit hole, man. Yeah. Like you're going to look at these pages that are in and of themselves just like canvas pieces. And the way the panels just kind of, they're not even panels. Right. It's just like a dreamlike world that fades from scene to scene to scene. And, just cutting edge stuff and there's going to be some minds just blown like this Tokyo pop edge darkness. It's just out of this world. I, was, I so That's all I can say. You were kind enough to put me up for Astronomicon mm-hmm. and which was a super cool weekend. Yes, it was. I love Astronomicon. Beyond the con though, uh, beyond the con, what was cool was, uh, SourcePoint has grown to such an extent. There's so many involved in the family and, you know, literally like hundreds almost at this point, you could say. Yeah. Um, but that weekend, and I don't know how it turned out this way, because I only came out for fun. I missed you guys, hadn't seen you in a while, so I wanted to come out. So, you know, and they, they're always kind enough to give me press at Astronomicon. It's a great, great show. And uh, uh, where was I going with that? Uh, and, where you talk about the Nora pages? Kelly O'Hara came over? Well, yeah, well, no. Oh, yeah, no, that's not where I was going. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so I'm staying, I'm going there too. Sorry, I'm going too many places at once, kids. And this pen, you see me sucking on this. It's not helping the situation. Um, <laughs> is, uh, and there, I just, uh, oh, yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> Pull it in, Jay. Pull it in. You're okay. There's so many of us at Source Point, and there's always a good mix. So whatever show you go to, whatever show you're scheduled to work, whatever show you're just hanging out at, it's always a different mix of Source Pointers. Yeah. Um, you know, so you're crossing paths and seeing different people at different shows, and some people you don't see for a while, some people you see a lot. And that weekend was a particular core of old schoolers that had not all been together at the same time just themselves in a long time yep and we didn't try for that whatsoever oh which is what i found cool right Mm -hmm. like it was like everyone in that room except garrett but garrett's so goddamn adorable you can't do anything without (laughs) garrett gun okay garrett just gets even he said at one point he said because we were behind the table and he's like dude this is a hell of a crew to be at this show with and i was like yeah it's kind of cool and I really, I hadn't had that much fun with, with everyone in a while, just going back to your place and just the chill. And that's, I think it is, honestly, I think it's one of the few weekends where I had way more fun off the floor than at the show. Like, yeah, it was just a blast hanging out with you guys. It was like coming home again, wasn't it? It really was. It was yeah. refreshing, you know, cause it's, you know, Astronomicon is not like a tiny con, but it's not enormous. Sure. So it was a kind of cool, chilled, fun weekend, and we ate I'm well. A little more intimate, and, yeah. You know, yeah. like even Jay, like even Westlake, I hadn't, you know. So everybody knows, last time I was there, if you look behind Casey, you see all those movie posters behind the wall. And those are all ones that uh, wonderful artist uh, Jason Westlake has accumulated over the years and he's got a hell of a lineup and it was cool because he kind of gave me the tour through them and he, he gave me the story behind getting each one of those oh <laughs> yeah and he, then he worked for the theater for a long yeah, time yeah and then he pulled out his big pile with all the other ones and he's like I, I, we just looked through them for fun and i felt like kids because you know like we weren't looking for one in particular we were just pulling out posters to see them because we hadn't seen you them were a long. fan again yes, that's yes. what happened and you were was, a fan again yeah it was really really cool man so and sometimes when we work in this industry we forget 
Yeah. yeah. And I remember this past San Diego and I told Travis straight up, I go, listen, I'm working the table one day. I'm on vacation. You know what? I hear you. And that's kind of what I mean by this has been good for certain people. I think some of us yeah. need a break without fucking reason. Like stay home, yeah. play with your kids for a couple months. Right. right. Uh, but let's not get too far off Nora. Cause that was where I was going because Kelly so wonderful of Kelly popped by your house to say hello. I hadn't seen her in so long and it was wonderful to see her. And she brought the art with her. And I'll never forget seeing it for the first time. It is, yeah, it's something else. It's something different. It is her first comic book, her first comic, and she just knocked it out of the park. And this is one of those occasions of knocking it out of the park through having no fucking idea what you're doing. Right. She followed not a single rule, and because she's so talented and smart, it came out that way. Like it came I out well. When she first started, she was a little rigid because she's like, I don't know if this is what I'm supposed to do. I go, fuck what you're supposed to do. You're supposed yeah. to be you. Yeah, yeah. Like especially this, this nowadays. This is already weird as it is. There's yeah. no rules. Just don't go for it. I read it and thought it was so cool that I was like, "Are you even putting dialogue in here?" Oh like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Because there, you, there's no balloons yet or anything in it." Right, I was, it was but I was still in entranced into the story. Yeah. I was reading this. I was looking at this beautiful art, but I was really wanting to figure out what it was telling me. Because right. it was trying to tell me something. Right. And one pill you, makes you larger and one pill. Okay, hold on, though. Because when you say psychedelic, <laughs> I don't want to give the wrong impression, people. Sure. Because uh, the impressionist thing you said and everything, I definitely... There's more to it than it just being psychedelic. I think there, there's got to yeah. be a better word for it. Because it is trippy and out there. You it's know, surrealism. It's a surrealism. The total surrealism. It's a very atmospheric piece. But, Heavy atmosphere. But heavy, like it's it's nice to look at. Like it's real, experience. beautiful on the eyes, right? Like all yeah, around. Oh wow, it's it's stunning. She's gonna have an art show, um, selling the original pages once the world gets back to normal. Oh goodness, that'll be fun. That's so a smart idea. Maybe fall. Yeah. Be nice. Yeah, be nice. Well, I'm I'm scared. I don't know when I can come back, man. Oh well. Like we'll I guarantee you, the last thing Canada does is open the border. I'll be like, here, hold on to this drone. <laughs> yeah. Just hang on like this the whole way over. Nice. Well, you know what I think I'm also going to do soon is uh, just before, it was supposed to be Trauma, Toronto Comic Con in March. Were oh, you yeah, coming was, out for that? I, yeah, I was, supposed yeah. To be, I was supposed to be a guest at that show. So All I got, the shows that I was a guest at. Yeah, gone, right? Huh? So I got a shipment, you know, I got a source point shipment for the show and a bunch of new boxes. But then quarantine hit. And I knew the show wasn't happening and I had no reason to open the boxes because there was no shows coming. Bro. And I figured it's much easier to keep unopened boxes organized. Why am I going to pull all this shit out, right? Right, right. Um, but now I'm just kind of curious what's in there. So I think I might do an unboxing video and crack all that stuff open and see which source point books I'm actually in possession of. Um, it's just 300 copies of Franklin and Ghost <laughs> with a love note from Garrett. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> hey, that's my book. Set, <laughs> man. I love uh, you, Jay. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, maybe I. You know, I've still got. Uh, I've, I still had a bunch here, but it'd be cool because maybe someone. You know, maybe we can do something fun here, and uh, you know, I'm wondering at this point how many more things are going to keep going along now that they're opening up. But I hope we continue to support online and we continue to have these auctions and all that good stuff, oh, yeah. you know, but the galleries, you're right. I miss that stuff. Um, there's a tattoo shop here in Toronto, seven ink tattoos or no seven crowns ink, I think. Yeah. Seven crowns. Yeah. And uh, it's a, ta it's a tattoo shop and they do art shows for comics and stuff. So they did one show where it was uh, A.J. Han, Sean Daly, Shane Heron, Katie Sawatsky. I love and, Shane. Yeah. He's awesome. And can I just say public condolences? I don't know if you heard. Uh, but Yeah, Shane's pops passed away. And the only reason I bring it up is because Shane's wonderful and his pops was wonderful. I feel very lucky that I got to meet the guy. Never mind sit and have a beer with him. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, right away. One of those people you meet just one, one sitting and you're like, 
amazing dude. No wonder Shane. And what I read, it sounds like he was always, he was in the moment, every moment. And Absolutely. There's no, you, it's so obvious why Shane is the person that he is. You know what absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So condolences, bud. But they had a, uh, they had a show there and it was amazing because they have a little keg and some snacks and they have a little art gallery show in the, in the tattoo studio oh, you know, that's and they cool. clear everything out. Yeah. It's amazing fun. And they auction everything off. And I bought the original, uh, back cover, the original for the back cover of Samurai grandpa. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's hanging on. Wonderful. Wall over. Actually, can you, you might be able to see it. It's a little dark. Yeah. Well, on the far, the far one there, that's the samurai grandpa. Okay. I can the, see the silhouette. Yeah. The one in the middle is a uh, speeder bike chase from Return of the Jedi as done by Thomas Savage. Oh, Savage is a Savage. Savage. And then there's a Mike Ruth swamp thing beside oh, there. Yeah. And a samurai grandpa, for those of you who don't know, is also a painted comic. It's also, it's in uh, watercolors. Yes. Which, you know, and, and that's Sean, that's what Sean does. Sean does watercolors and that's how it works now. <laughs> He's definitely got a signature. Like, you know, a daily when you're looking at it. And well, I love- he did one of those, uh, he did one of those videos for the Be a Heroes Canada and where he went through the process of how he makes a comic book and how he does a page and it's invaluable and everybody should go watch it. And they have a Facebook page, uh, be, be a hero comma Canada. And you really all need to go. And right there is everything lined out and they got the Neil Gaiman, Chad, uh, Sean Daly, like I said, Jason Liu, um, such cool stuff, you know? So, so what is the plan uh, with Nora too? What is our timetable? So uh, Nora 1 is uh, available for pre-order right now, as is Nora uh, 2, of course, a volume 2. And there's two more. Um, hold on, that- hold on. Pre-order for number 1? Yeah. The trade for number 1 hasn't come out in shops? No, no, yet? no, no, no. no. The, tra- the trade for number 1, that, that's been in shops. Oh, you're saying issue one of the second yes. run. Okay, that's where I was getting confused. So at first we were calling it issue five and then six, and Josh is like, no, that's not. If we were starting a new volume, we're starting a new number. We, we just, I think we just proved you wrong, Josh. I just, I, I'm sorry, but I think we, we have, we have <laughs> yeah, literally yeah, inadvertently like, oh, just proved you, you wrong. Even the files, the files say issue six, issue seven, or issue five. And um, right. Now, Mira Mortal uh, yes, yes. lettered it. And she's oh, absolutely cool. amazing to work with. She's fast too. She's really good. Right. Um, but she writes the book uh, Doll Island and uh, Zombie Clown Circus, which is a, was a huge hit for us. Um, so she does. She's the one shop trades lady. You know, she does a lot of horror. Love her, but um, she also does lettering. And she, I really wanted her on this track. And she did lettering for Cirrus as well. Um, so yeah. So there's uh, four issues in this volume two. Um, Issue one of volume two is Devour, and then issue two of volume two is Philae, which okay, is Latin for cool. Son of. And so going into volume two, um, for those of you who don't know, I'll give you the brief synopsis. Uh, so Nora has the ability to go into your coma to either get you out of or help you cross over. She obtains the ability while working in pathogenic development for the CIA, making bioweapons. So... Where we left off, I'm not going to say it, but where we left off in the last trade, um, we pick up from a very tragic time in her life onward. Um, so in the first trade, we're doing a lot of flashbacks. Now we're right in the present, right after um, this very tragic event that you will learn about in the first volume. And she's going to learn that um, the CIA, who she once swore allegiance to, um, really doesn't have her back. Right. It's it's wonderful. It's a wonderful story. You've constructed it wonderfully. And it's one of those things where at the time it was, you put so much into that first volume. I can't even tell you. Like It was a lot of fun. People, you put so much into everything about it, to, from the making of it, to the selling of it, to the to everything man oh and, yeah blood sweat and tears that's the nora trade but yeah. it was awesome to watch you grow man and just see it get better and better and better because that's quite a leap you know for what's you know your first Even the story the story is not right? like i talked about selling how to sell or market a story um in one of my videos and i did go on record because i was using that as an example i said i went on record and i said is this idea marketable is this plot marketable no Knowing what I know now, 
I would have made it more linear because this is very non-linear. Right. Um, but that's what some people love about it. Um, but like I said, at the time, I was just like, just, just do it. It's like always a been a good pitch, though. I find it a very, oh, yeah. very easy sell. It's one of easily the comics I've easily sold the most of. Oh, yeah. It's, like, I always say X-Files meet Starship Troopers. I like, say the word coma fisher and people like look at me funny and then I explain what that means and they buy the book. It's that right. fucking simple. It yeah. really is. Yeah. And plus the art though, the art and, and you know, kudos uh, to Sean Westlake Peter. as well oh, yeah. because those covers pop and they're different and they're simple and eye catching yet, the yet elegant and beautiful. That's a cover right, right. there. The, the silhouettes because yeah, I think it leaves a bit of mystique because when they open it, they're like, wow, I did not expect that at all. Yeah. And no one does, I don't even know what to call it because it's, it's Jay's own brand of the uh, way he does his, his graphic artistry. Vector. Vector. What do you mean? Vector is the name of the art style. Like it's like vectoring. So it's like when you have silhouettes, it's a, it's vector minimalist art. Oh, okay. I see. Well, I'm I'm kind of like trying to describe like his mastery of his like colors in that. Oh, yeah. Method. Do you know what I mean? Uh, like, he has like he loves textures. I, I I don't know anybody who can do more with one color than than Westlake, right? Like, right. You know what I mean? From his DC prints, which I just I love the hell out of. But when you look at like the Riddler or the the Mister Freeze one. It's nothing but blues, but it's these. It's the way he uses the different kinds of blues to complement each other, and you know, it's almost the way he can create shadows with a lack of shadows. I don't know. I'm just. I'm always so impressed by it. Yeah, his illustrations. If you have a chance to look, it's a Jason Westlake art on uh, Facebook. uh, Jason draws on Instagram and he always has sketch cover sales, but he is like the king of the sketch cover. Um, his original illustrations don't look anything like this. And like Jay was saying, um, he, it's almost like you're looking at his, his backgrounds have movement to them. If that makes sense. Um, you know, yeah. And like I said, even with, you know, the, the layers and the textures of, uh, his backgrounds on the covers, I think that sort of reflects in his original illustrations as well. Um, gosh, I wish I had a sketch cover here uh, in the basement. Um, I would but, love yeah. to see him do, like, say, the James Bond opening. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, the, the, like, the tunnel or the um, barrel. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the feeling I get from his art. When I look at it, it's almost like just a static representation of a James Bond opening He theme. loves James Bond. You know, yeah, just just the way they use the shapes and stuff. It's great stuff, so... Yeah, by the uh, way, he lives here. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Where is his internet? Um, why, why do you have his posters on your wall? <laughs> and what's he, how's he doing? How's he been through this whole damn thing? What is, he's is, been working is, from home and hates it because when you work from home, there's no boundaries. You know, they figure, right. well, you're at home, you're not doing anything. So, you know, and it's, it's hard to keep focused because you're not used to working at home. Yeah. So I was like, I'm, We'd rather be playing with the cats you know, <laughs> than doing this shit. I'm so happy that you've somehow genetically mutated yourself into being a cat person. Dude, I'm telling you, love and Clarendon, baby. Like when Cornelius kept showing up. Now, uh, how are you? Has it, is it personalized to your kitties or have you been around other kitties and are okay? What's the situation? I've been around other kitties and I'm okay. Um, uh, so, yeah? yeah, I definitely evolved. I still have to take allergy medicine because I'll pet them and like touch my eye and then all of a sudden it's super red and dry. My neck will itch or, Casey, you know, but it's not like it wash was. Wash your hands, man. I will. <laughs> Every so time you've heard that enough lately, right? Oh, I know. Right? I, my um, I see your, your little, uh, let's just end this off. Um, I see behind you, your weight set up and stuff. Yeah. Um, can I go back to you or, you know, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but can I tell the story a little bit? Whatever story you're about to tell, go for it. Well, um, well, I'm trying to be, you know, you don't talk with a lady about her weight. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. Again, I love to inspire. So take it away. 
Yeah. So you were huge (laughs) and now you're not. Right. And what did it take to do that? Um, How did you put together a plan? Because I'm asking because, uh, you know, we've talked about it a little and, you know, and we've talked about it almost more in the emotional sense of your situation. But right now I'm going through where I have just built a new workout that I've been evolving over the past two months. Uh, Shout outs to Fearless Fred Kennedy uh, for your assistance with this because uh, you, Gabe Bishop, you guys have been my workout buds and very motivational, inspirational, great tips. Uh, Fearless Fred, he's also putting out these workout videos every day uh, of, you know, little exercises you can do. Uh, It's very cool. You should check that out. Um, So I've been, you know, putting that together. So I'm curious about how that experience was for you learning to work out and put a routine together or diet, or what did you even do? So I think, gosh, it was, I was 27, I think. Yeah, 27, 26, because I knew that I had recently, that's when my MS really started kicking into high gear, like it was kicking my ass. And um, I had put on my size 20 jeans, and they were snug. And I said, you know what, I'm about to be 30, and this is not going to get any easier. So I gave myself an ultimatum. Well, it was more of a question. It was more of like, you either accept yourself as you are, and you're happy, or you change it. And I knew I wasn't happy. So I said, you know what? And my dad is a personal trainer, which is awesome. And when I went to him and I said, dad, I need help losing weight. He already, he had like a notebook like this, like a line notebook. He already had everything written out. And he was like, all right. (laughs) You know, because he was like concerned for me. waiting for you to decide to want to do it for yourself, right? Yeah, because I was uh, 275. I was, um, and I'm only 5'5". You know, I was borderline diabetic. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. And, um, now had you always been big your whole life or yo-yoed a lot of yo-yoing. Um, so my senior pictures, I'm heavy by the end of senior year, I'm thin, get to college, I'm big again. And it's just, you know, so just a lot of cardio or, you know, calorie counting. What'd you do? I tell people all the time. I'm like, I only did 10 minutes of cardio in the beginning. It was all burn and tone weights, you know, like circuit training. Okay. And, uh, so, because I tell people all the time, if you do, if you, I, when people say like, I'm just going to do a bunch of cardio and then, you know, like if you're that big right. and then, uh, and then I'll, I'll tone later, you cannot tone loose skin. Right. You cannot come back from looking like an elephant skin rug. You just right. can't. So, uh, without a burn and tone, light weights, but high reps, you know, it was just a lot of circuit training. And then I would get on the treadmill for just 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I did, um, low carb in the beginning and I remember I needed to lose a hundred pounds. And so I put, what a fucking massive monumental goal to have in front of yourself. It seemed like it, and but I fucking accomplish. Wow. I put 90 pounds on the fridge because it was one less numeral. So it was that less intimidating. Right. So like, okay, if I can lose eight pounds a month at least, round that up to 10, we could knock this out in maybe a year. And it took me a year and some change to lose 100. And then, so overall, I have lost, that's my 160s. I've lost uh, 115 pounds. Wow. Yep. So a lot, it was a lot of Atkins low carb in the beginning. And then after a while, that stopped working for me. Right. You got to change it up. You do so, hit walls, right? It's cool yes. how you you get into it because it starts to evolve. As you try exercises, you figure out which ones work for your body and how to do them. And then you start to forgive yourself on certain things. Like, for instance, like, fuck burpees, right? Oh, God. No, yeah. Uh-uh. I don't know if anybody knows what a burpee is, but it's where you jump down, swing your feet out into push-up position, yeah. Do a push up and then jump up to your feet and clap your hands above your head. They no, are you, the single never, worst exercise ever. Just, you know, and just fearless Fred keeps saying burpees, man. And I'm like, fuck you. He's like, burpees, man. Fuck you. And now I realize for what I'm trying to achieve and, you know, all the research you do, you watch videos and, you know, oh, this yeah. and that. And, and for what I'm trying to achieve with my body, 
the single number one thing I could be doing is fucking burpees. Right. <laughs> right? I, I, I have a very bad back, you know, 20 years of tree climbing. I have a degenerated disc in my lower spine. So I have to be very careful about, you know, how I bend my back and I can't do the impact stuff. Like I can't do any impact, not just low impact. I have to do like zero impact, but sure. I guess you can do things where you can go down, put your hands and then rather than throw your feet back, just walk your feet back, do a push up, walk your feet back up and stand up and just go like this. Okay. So, you know, it's a lot less extensive burpee, but it still gets my fucking heart. Yeah, but it's cool. It's just cool as you learn as you go, you know. So, mm -hmm. you know, if anybody out there and I know there's actually a few people who've been inspired and really, you know, done things for themselves over the quarantine and uh, it can change your life, man. And you know what? I, I wouldn't be surprised if you were to admit that everything you've accomplished in this industry um, in part stems from the confidence you gained through going through that experience yes yeah I mean that's a that's a catalyst because I was never this sort of overachiever in my high school days or in college you know right. it's when I lost weight I'm like I can do anything <laughs> and so yeah and I did I did yeah, yeah. So, you know I can't tell you how great I feel energetic and I feel good and, and you, you took your life back you know what? Yeah. And there's things that like you think that are impossible, you know, like I've been climbing trees for 20 years. I am not out of shape. I'm never out of shape or I right, couldn't right. do my job. I manage. I have enough strength. I'm not obese, but I've been carrying around this beer belly and these love handles, you know, and all of that for, you know, pretty much my whole life. Yo-yoed a bit, but not to a huge extent. I, I got to a point where I was like, you know what? Once in my life, I want to go all the way the other way. Like my goal is, is like Tyler Durden, like Brad Pitt in fight club. As, yeah. ridic as ridiculous as that sounds. No, it's not ridiculous. I, I, I now for the first time believe that it would be possible for me to have that kind of physique or at least, you know, yes. in, that, in that area that I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck what anyone thinks. And people have doubted me. Like my own mother is just like, you're crazy. You're too skinny. Like you look sick. And I'm like, thanks ma. But I'm no, going, I'm going to no. do it. I'm going to. The only thing that you really like, there's a lot of things that we don't have control over in our life. Sculpting your body is not one of those things. We have control. Yeah. Which you do you know, whatever you want. You just have to find the means to do it. There's such a mental block keeping us from trying it. And you know what I'll be honest with is, you know how it started for me was I was going through a rough patch in like January, February. And I was kind of depressed and I had no appetite at the time and I wasn't eating much and it mm. felt good to be hungry. It was something to focus on. It was something, you know, I felt my body eating itself and changing. There was something about it that I felt good when I felt hungry. Right. And it was a weird connection and I didn't go overboard. I wasn't not eating. No, I just started eating only when I was like starving or knew I should or, you know, and then I kind of got into it. And then I went for a run one day. Well, no, that's not true. Sorry. I, I started going out for walks with, with my kid. And he's nine. And he would go on his scooter. And I'd kind of walk quick behind him. And we went for like a week of walks. And one day I got up and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for a jog. And I went for a 10-minute jog. And it almost fucking killed me. I almost died. And I was like, okay, I got to get better at that. Here I am two months later, 30 pounds down and able to run that block like it's nothing. Like I could do what in 10 minutes almost killed me. I'm around and back in like two and like ready to keep going. And, you know, it all came from like in a dark place. And somehow I was able to morph it into, you know, something to focus on. And, you know, the, being quarantined obviously helped. I don't know if I would have done all this, you know, if I had other stuff on the mind. but. Yeah, kids, I'm telling you, um, I just wanted to chat about that before we went because Casey's always been a big inspiration to a lot of people for that and a million other reasons. Uh, and I want to thank you for all of your hard work and love that you put out there, Casey, because really, you need to follow Casey, not just to check out her cool stuff like most people, but because of how much she is interacting with you people and how much she is giving. Uh, Instagram, lots of, you know like your lists, uh, many posts of wonderfully talented people out there who are ready and willing to uh, make some stuff, right? 
Yeah, I leave tidbits of, uh, you know, marketing and branding advice on my uh, Instagram, KCD Writes. And um, yeah, and, and more to come for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I encourage uh, anybody with questions, um, you know, always ask me. I'm always here. Uh, Jason Ward. Hey! I would just like to shout you out. He's my number one fan. Did you know that? Is he really? Yes. Do you know what Jason Ward did? Jason Ward discovered my show far after it had began. Jason Ward sat down and listened to my entire fucking library. Every episode. 300 Uh... and whatever episodes. And he plowed through them in, I think, two or three months? What was it, Jason? I'm not sure. Um... So does he miss the Dewey Cox uh, quote like I do? So. Oh, do you miss it? Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm remember, when, right remember, up there. remember when you brought it back that one show I was on? Just Yeah. Me. Well, I was stupid for a while because I remember I had that little period where I was trying to be kind of more professional for some stupid fucking reason. I don't, you want any part of this shit? I think I was I think I was worried about press passes or something. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, I, that's totally understandable. It's branding, it's a branding issue. Just yeah. every once in a while I'll throw that in. It's funny. Right. So he, he yeah, he's just, and he's an amazing dude. And may I say, a fucking talented fucking artist on his own right. And uh, you know, I've offered to have him on the show, but he has said no until he has something to come on with. And now he's got stuff to come on with. So it's time to get Jason Ward on the show. But the reason uh, I'm also shouting him out is uh, he has just pre-ordered both issues of Nora. Thank you so, so much. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you go to sourcepoint.press, you can pre-order Nora 1 and 2, a volume 2. And you can get yourself a t-shirt too. This is a men's small, by the way. Um, Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I really hope you enjoy it. Good stuff. um, Uh, Becca Kinsey was just on here, and I don't know if she still is, but uh, hey, Becca is working on something for Source Point Press. So wonderful to have Becca in the family. Hey, uh, Becca. Working with uh, Bob Sally and stuff. Uh, So lots of news to come with that. (laughs) I miss you, man. I miss everybody, man. How long are we going to be kept from each other? I don't and, uh, know. I don't know. But uh, I can't. I can't wait to see you again. And we have to do this more often. So come back soon. Yes. Yes, I will. And uh, don't forget to follow Kelly O'Hara as well. She's uh, Bebop Art um, on uh, Instagram, and I think. But anyway, you'll find her. It's Kelly O'Hara, um, and she will give you sneak peeks into the pages that she's working on for volume so so cool like seriously kids so cool i can't wait for you all to see it and i can't wait to see uh soak it in casey you're wonderful thank you so much thank you really appreciate it kids that is all we're gonna have this week on an elegant weapon civilized (laughs)